Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God So let's pray real quick. Is that cool with everybody? We know that when two or three, and there's more than that here, come together and pray in accordance with him, he's present. So that's what we want. So Jesus, we gather together, we pray, we invite. You are the reason we are here. Jesus Christ is the reason we gather together. This is just a gathering without you, but we become a spirit-filled, indwelling body actual church, the living, breathing representation of Christ in the world. But none of that is possible without you, and so you're invited, Father. Your peace, you came as the Prince of Peace. Your hope, God, you came screaming hope. Your, your kindness leading us to a place of repentance. These loving Father characteristics that we taste and see and then want, we say yes to those today. We invite you. I pray that everything that I speak or preach today would be seasoned with exactly what you want, Lord, that you would, that you would breed hope in this room, that you would encourage God. Any voice of condemnation that's driving people farther away from you, or we just, in Jesus' name, ask you to just destroy that and replace it with this voice of faith and hope. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. We thank you so much. Amen. All right, so really quickly, we're, we're starting today our pots. So for those of you who have not been here for a while, we have for every season what we call pots, and they're prayers of the season. Everybody say prayers of the season. So we have our new ones. They're on this board and on this board. We prayed for a long time about it, and these, this is the culmination of, of seeking God and saying, what do you have for our church for now? This is not something we got out of a book. This is not some smart pastor who told us, this is really what you need to be doing. This is, we're going to pray as a body, and as a body, we, we asked you guys, this is what we landed on. These are the six things that we feel like in this season. It's not limited to this, right? 
because there's things on there that we want to see, but these are the things for our community now. So we're going to start with unity as we grow. And if you don't have one of these, feel free to take one with you. It has a, a little magnet on the back for you to put it on your refrigerator or any metal thing that a magnet works with. You can choose. Um, but unity as we grow. And unity as we grow is directly related to living in love. So these four things on the walls are what our church is about. This is how we live it out. This is what it is. I'm going to read you what living in love is. We desire to be a people who liberally love and give grace. We spend time. We encourage. We fight for unity. We are community. At River City, there is always room at the family table for everyone. We prefer to focus on the tie that binds, Jesus. So pull up a chair. Really beautiful. My wife wrote that, actually, um, Sarah. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, you're not going to like me for this. Here's what she should have prayed for for her birthday. Um, and she's going to hate me for this. She has, she's an, an unbelievable author, unbelievable writer. And we've been praying for years about opportunities for her to be able to write. She doesn't like to bring it up in front of people because it's, if she doesn't get something, it's letting... I'm just totally reading her mail to all of you. So here's my challenge to you. Pray that she gets writing opportunities to, to show the kingdom through that avenue. She's so gifted. So um, that's what you should have prayed. <laughs> yeah. We got t-shirts for India. Pray for India. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. We should, we should definitely pray for India as well. Okay. Um, so... Unity as we grow. Um, how important is the body of Christ? Don't, I, this is just for heads up. I do like when people interact with me, but I'm not smart enough or equipped enough to do that in service. I just get freaked out, and I'm like, I don't even know what to do now. I'll start like clapping and coloring up here if people start doing that. So when I ask a question, it's more for you to go, hmm. Does that make sense? Um, so scale of 1 to 10, body of Christ. How important is the body of Christ? Scale of 1 to 10, don't. Don't speak it out at me. <laughs> Don't scream it at me. And realistically look inside. Don't say what you think you should say, right? Like the answer for every six-year-old kid after Sunday school, what'd you learn about? Okay, good job, yeah. For this one, you know body of Christ should be a 10, right? So, but, but honestly, in the realm of your life, where does it land? Like, are you a two? Are you a five? Is it kind of important? But... I would, I'll give you a, maybe a litmus test. If, if you come on Sundays and you love to interact here, but that's the extent, I'd say you're maybe like a four. If you are in three life groups and you're wanting to start another one and you started three discipleship groups and you're, you're at everybody's house every night, you're a 10. Does that make sense? You just want to be with the body. If It's hard to be in this room because there's too many people in here and social interactions are horrible for you. Maybe you're a one or a two. Does that make sense? It's not bad where you're at. You're where you're at. Okay? That's okay. By the end of today, I'm asking you to make a movement toward oneness. So it's not about a two becoming a ten. It's about a two becoming a three or a four, right? <laughs> to me, the body of Christ is the gospel. It's why Jesus came. This is interesting. So 2,000 and how many years ago Jesus came? There was one denomination, right? It started with one denomination. You know that, right? There was not there are 10,000 denominations now. 10,000. If we were to go back to first century Christians and say, what do you guys think about denominations? They'd be like, we've not yet heard of the nation of Denom. 
tell us about this nation. We'll be like, well, it's actually not that great. What happens is everybody likes to do their own thing and nobody likes to play with one another. They're like, this, this nation is terrible. I will not go to this. I don't know why they speak in this language, but I will not go to this, this nation, the nation of Dinam. So this is interesting, though. The farther away we get from the cross, right, 2,000-something years ago, the more denominations. The farther away we get from the act of Jesus coming and doing what he did, the farther away from unity we get. And it's not stopping at 10,000. I imagine if the Lord tarries that in another 1,000 years, there's so many denominations, there's a new number for it. It's interesting, though. I think metaphorically this is also true. I think the farther we get as people away from Jesus, just, just Jesus, the farther we get away from unity. And so like in this process of seeing what's happened over time, we start to lock in on these peripheral things that we think are most important. And if we do that, then we can focus on, I'm going to make, I'm going to come up with a new denomination. It's called brown chair denomination because I visited some churches that had tan colored chairs and it just, the spirit wasn't moving. But in our church, we have brown colored chairs. So we're going to be the BCD, the brown chair denomination. This is the kind of thing that happens when you start focusing on things other than Jesus, right? Here's a, here's a really overwhelmingly good picture about how our enemy sees Christians. Our enemy does not see 10,000 denominations. It sees one. And this is played out in ISIS as they visit Christians and they don't walk in and say, who in here is a Methodist? Who in here is spirit-filled? Who in here is this? They say, who in here believes in Jesus? And if you do, they will kill you. So our enemy sees us as more unified than we see us. Isn't that interesting? So to me, it's like this drawing back to oneness. You have to draw back to Jesus because you cannot do unity without him. You cannot do unity without Jesus. You start to make, if, if I'm trying to do unity without Jesus, I'm trying to make everybody like me. But when Jesus comes into the room and he enters the world, he gathers people who are at war and puts them at the same table. He gathers people literally trying to kill one another and says, this enemy is your brother. That's why I love that song. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. You know, you might know that song? Because when we look into the face of our enemy, we see our brother. Because Jesus draws us all together, right? It's not, this is what I love about our community. I was talking to somebody before church today. Some churches do this really well. Some churches do this really well. Some churches, you know that this is important when you walk in. Our church has all kinds of people from all different places different denominations, different beliefs centered around Jesus. And if you can center around Jesus, your secondary beliefs just don't matter that much. And so I'm going to read you a passage in just a second. First, I just want to talk to you really quickly about John 17. John 17 is Jesus's last prayer. Whenever we start talking about unity, it's also his longest prayer. It's the last thing he says, and it's his prayer is that we become one like they are one, that he and us and us and him and the Father and the Father and Him, that we would start to do that on the earth. That's the last thing He prays for us, that you would be unified, that unity would be this big deal. So the backdrop here in this passage, everybody say Coloss. Okay, this is the Colossian church, which Paul wrote these letters to, but he didn't actually start. Somebody out of the ministry had gone and started these churches. They start doing a really good job, and then Paul starts to catch wind that some things, a lot of people record it as the great heresy, 
but nobody can point their finger to exactly what the heresy is or exactly what the awful thing that's happening in the church. But we think that they stopped focusing on Christ. They started worshiping angels. So these secondary things, which sounds crazy right now, but it's worship of something other than Jesus, and it can be anything else. So he spends his first two chapters in Colossians talking to them about the supremacy of Christ. It's got to be about Christ. It's got to be about Christ. When you're inviting people to the table, it's got to be about Christ. He, he starts to talk about unity in chapter 3. And he starts to tell them that the only way to do this is through me. And so if you can open your Bibles to Colossians 3, I'm going to read you 1 through 17 really quickly. I think it's going to come up behind me. All right, here we go. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Just some forewarning, this passage would have horrified me before I knew the nature of my loving Father. Because all I would have been able to see are these following things that are just convicting. That's me, that's me, that's me, definitely me, definitely me. He wants to establish in you that you are hidden with Christ first, which means the enemy cannot find you in him. Does that make sense? So he wants to establish that, and then this is what comes. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. You were called to peace. You're not just called sons and daughters. He calls you to peace. That's such a beautiful thing. So be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love this part about songs at the end because they used to actually wake up and all the church would meet in the morning just for a song. They would just get together and meet. I'm just, just going to get together and sing a song. Then they would spend all night singing hymns. They would just come together for that. Something about singing together. Have you ever been like singing a song with someone? It doesn't have to be a Christian song. And you're just into this song and you're singing it together. There's a, like something amazing happens. Like when you're just into a song. I'm a song guy. I love songs. I sing it with my kids. I love singing songs with you guys. To me, 
I don't know how anybody doesn't love that, but like Sarah doesn't love that necessarily. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love and worship to me like earlier when I look around and you're singing with me, I feel like that's the kingdom of God. Like to me, it's more than just words we're reciting, which for some people, that's what it is. It's words. To me, it's like I'm ready to have birthday cake. I'm ready to open presents. It's the same kind of feelings for me. We're singing together. Only kids do that, right? We're singing together in a church. And not only that, it's centered around Jesus. Like, what is more beautiful than that? What is more beautiful than that? The singing together. Oh, I won't pressure you to stand up and sing with me, but I would love it if you did. (laughs) I love it. So many good things happen. This passage, though, a couple things. It starts off by letting us know that in Christ we are secure, which is a big deal. That you're secure and found and hidden in him. And it talks about a few things, but three things I want to just mention when you talk about unity is that the blood of Christ is really important, right? The blood of Christ. I heard a guy preaching on this recently say, what if the blood of Christ is the most important thing in the room? What if that's the loudest voice in this room? What would it be saying? What's his message? You are forgiven. Welcome into my family. What if the blood of Christ is the loudest thing in this room? Louder than how much I love worshiping, Louder than how much you love contemplating the passage? Louder than who's praying for who? What if the blood of Christ in this room speaks the loudest and says to anybody that walks in, welcome to my table, pull up a chair, taste, see, drink, take it in, take it in, this is for you. What if that is the loudest voice in the room? Other crap doesn't matter if it is. Sorry if that's offensive. I'm not realizing there's some new people, but that's, that's me. Sorry. Baptism. Like, what is baptism? This actually speaks of baptism. We know baptism of where we pull out in our church a cold tub of water that's small and horses use on other days, and we put you in it and you hop out. When you did this, when you did this, you were saying, I want to be a part of a family. I want to be a part of a family. And I'm jumping into this water, and it's going to be in a river, and somebody who is in this family is going to do it. And as I come out of that water, it doesn't mean that just because of that now I'm clean. It means I am saying, brother, sister, welcome me to your table. I'm saying, brother and sister, I want to be here with you. And you're saying, you are a part of my family. So when we say we're hidden in Christ, we are saying we are a part of his family, and you are secure. So if that happens to be you in this room, stand in that. It's not, you don't have to fear that you're losing it. You're his, you're his children. My son is in there right now doing something dumb. Right now. I promise, I'll get a story later about it. He's gonna be my son. He's secure. You're secure. And it's important that you know that you're secure, not so you can just leave and say, well, our pastor said I was secure, so this week's good. No, you're secure so that now you can welcome people to the table. Here is the Jesus that I have. I'm secure. I'm not flagging this over your head. I'm showing you, here's what we are. I'm saying, this Jesus is so real and it's so secure to me. Come to my table. Anybody. Anybody. Because that's what Christ came to do. Another thing here, he came and destroyed barriers. There are too many passages about how many walls he's tearing down, about how many barriers he's trying to destroy. He's not trying to build the second Jerusalem of his select away from those people who are dirty. He's saying, hey, dirty people, 
Come dine with me. Come sit at the table. He's destroying barriers. In this passage, there's four specific things he destroys. One is the national barrier. People who are different than where you were born, it's a big deal. That's why for me, like, I mean, you got to be careful whenever you talk about nationalism in church. It's just what it is. But I'm a Christian, like, way before I'm American. Like, it's not even in the same breath. I am a child of God, like the person from wherever, insert, is a child of God. And that brotherhood is way stronger than any national brotherhood we have. Does that make sense? It's not even in the same breath. And I am so thankful for what we have. You need to know I am thankful for what we have. It's not comparable to what Jesus did. It's not even close. So anyone that professes in Jesus and anyone that's a part of our family, whatever and wherever they're from, is your brother and sister. This this next barrier that he destroyed was the barrier of classes. Like the important people in a society and the unimportant people. In this society, the Scythian was the worst of the worst. Considered, They would call them wild beasts. They wouldn't even call them. They would bring the wild beasts in. And slaves as well. The slaves were referred to as bring us a living tool. That's just awful. A living tool. You were, if you were a slave, you were a living tool. And then the Jew and the Greek were the select, right? The Jews, the ones chosen by God were the ones that gave the worst impression sometimes. You need to stay over there, right? Jesus comes and says, my, and through Paul, my whole message is to these people. I'm bringing this gospel to these people. You don't have to come with me. I want you to come, but they're getting it, and they're going to be sitting at your tables. They're going to be in your room. Another barrier is the one through cultured and uncultured, and that's, in every, that's everywhere. People who, people who are doctors and people who are not, people who are really struggling, and Jesus says, let's gather these guys together. Let's gather them together. These are, and then he does this. Paul says three things to them that have only up until this point ever been said to the Jews. This is the first time it's said to anybody other than the Jews. And he calls them chosen, dedicated, and loved. So he looks at the enemy of the Jews and says, hey, previously we hated you. Now you're my brother and you're chosen. You're dedicated to the Lord and you are beloved That's amazing. That's what we look at when we see someone not like us. That's what Jesus wants us to see at any moment. That's what we're called to. It's so good. So, and then I love this, and I'm going to spend just a few moments on this. Um, I love the the idea of clothing, right? Like, and I've always been, I I haven't been able to locate this passage. I just haven't been looking for it. It's just one of those passages that I remember, the clothing passage, right? Like, you put on, you take off. Like, we get that. We wake up every morning, we put on, we take off. My kids literally do not wear clothes after seven. Naked. (laughs) Naked booties on stuff it should not be on. This guy. (laughs) That guy. That guy. I heard a story yesterday about a guy in Chattanooga that um, was walking down the middle of the highway completely nude. That's crazy. But it also caused the biggest backup that they've had in years. (laughs) Which is interesting because every one of those people were just looking at a naked dude. That happened. So we get it, right? Like clothing, we go to bed, and if you're like me, I don't know what you wear to sleep. This is where I got to be careful, guys, but where I don't want to be careful at all. I know what I wear to bed, and it's not much. So if you break into my house at night, you're going to have to give me a few moments 
because it's not going to be a fun fight. <laughs> You're going to be like, okay, you win. <laughs> so that's my weapon, actually. It doesn't really work. So you take off your clothes at night, right? You go to bed. You wake up in the morning. You put your clothes on. I love with clothing that we wear specific things for specific times, right? Like, I would typically wear a pair of flip-flops, a pair of shorts, and a t-shirt. That's just my, like, that's, that's what I love. But when I come here, I, I have to look at least presentable. So I have to wear a button-up. I don't have to, but I like to. When I go to work out, I wear, I don't wear the tight pants, but I wear, like, you know. And I love in this, it says, okay, that's one of, I, don't, I honestly don't know why you just laughed, literally. There are three or four times I never know why you're laughing. That was one of them. I do not know why. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could have been the best wrestler in the world, and the world would never know because I would have had to wear those pants. And that's just not happening with me. So, so back with me, please. So this passage is talking about taking off and putting on. And it talks about some of these articles of clothing considered the old nature. It's interesting that every one of these in this passage, and I would say go study it, has to do with someone else. It's not just between you and God. So impurity and lust and sexual immorality, this involves. So these things that most of America struggles with involves another, right? There's an other in these things that's being taken advantage of in some way or another, right? Malice, anger, fits of rage, lying involves another person. It's, these are not just things that are just you and God, like, forgive me of these. It involves something else, and the heart of God is for the other. So he says, put on these new clothes. So what are these new clothes? All of the things listed in these new clothing articles are things that have to do with how you treat someone, specifically someone, not treating you well. So I know how to put on a shirt. When I wake up in the morning, that's the shirt I need. So I'm going to put it on. I don't know how you I'm gonna put it on, button up. I'm gonna put my pants on. I'm gonna put my shoes on. I know how to do that, right? When you look into the face of your brother and sister, please hear the voice of your father saying, You're not doing this without me, so know that. And then I'm offering you the clothing you need for this situation. Because, as brothers and sisters, if we treat our brother and sister like an enemy, that I believe is the best way to show the world the opposite of the gospel. It's not if you didn't read your Bible this morning. It's not if you didn't watch all of Kirk Cameron's films. I actually think you're probably more saved if you didn't. It's not if you listen to 104.7 The Fish. If I can look at my brother and say, I forgive you, right? So what is it to be full of the Spirit? Somebody said this recently. I wanted to cry and go in a corner. Being filled with the Spirit is being able to look at someone and say, I love you. Because it's impossible without any person. Any person. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I love you. That's not even possible. Whoever. Of course, there's a lot other with being filled with the Spirit. But Jesus came to destroy barriers to make a brotherhood. I love that in Genesis 42, I think it is. There's a story of Joseph, right? And we've all seen the movies, the kids' movies, and we've all read the passages. So Joseph has had this terrible life. He finds his way into these situations. God keeps elevating him into these great places. And it's like, man, Joseph really is persevering. A lot like your story you're talking about. God must have really, really loved him. And he finds himself 
as he's, he's over everything and, and, and food and everything. And so his brothers, hungry, his brothers who had thrown him and hurt him, hungry, come to this place to receive a meal, right? And they go wanting a meal and they show up and they can't even recognize their brother that they had harmed. And in realization of looking for a meal, they find out that they have a brother. They show up for a meal and find a brother. That's the word. Joseph was the one that had to look at them and invite them to the table because he was the one that was hurt. So he's saying to us, we come here, and don't get me wrong, the word of God is very important. We come here saying, feed me, feed me. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to show you a brother. I'm trying to show you a sister. You come hungry here. Notice the table I've put you at. To me, the body of Christ is that. To me, it's 10 out of 10. And I, I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at it half the time. That's why I fight for it. That it's not if I make sure I read you a passage every Sunday. Do you know that you are seen by the Lord and that you, I'm available to you and you're available to Do you know that you have a place in the body? Do you know who you are as a brother and a sister? Not just your identity, right? The great American Christian wrong that it's done to us is make us believe that our identity is most important and we need to go after our calling. And Jesus is like, no, I'm trying to absorb all that into the community so that you can be faceless and Jesus can have the face. I've gifted you, I've trained you, I've skilled you, but it's not going to be about, you don't want it to be about you. You don't want to draw men unto you. You don't want people to know that you're the prophet. You don't want that. You want people to be drawn to Jesus because you can't do anything for people. You can love people. You can welcome people to your table. All true transformation comes through Jesus Christ. And if people are looking at you at the end of the day, they're not getting it. Does that make sense? So welcome to the table. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is the focus. I love that the Holy Spirit doesn't have a definable face in Scripture pointing to Jesus. So for you today, so many good things in this passage. I could preach it for four weeks. I'm not going to do that to you. I just want you to notice in your life today what clothing is the Holy Spirit and Jesus asking you to remove. Um, this is probably the craziest message ever. I'm telling you take off your clothes. In a, in a spiritual sense, what clothing are you walking? Who are you angry with? That's different. I mean, it's okay. Like even Jesus was angry but did not. Right. So, so we understand anger happens. But what's the end thereof? Like, is there, is there someone you're angry with? Is there, listen, sexual impurity, immorality, lust. Listen, the way to not get freedom in that is to continue to focus on it, right? But look, what if you can put on the other end of that, there's a person being harmed here. You don't want to harm someone. You don't. So maybe freedom comes in knowing, I got to love this person. Start to pray for those people, that person, they're not just a tool. They're not like our modern-day slaves. They're not living tools for us, right? Let's destroy these barriers. Like, what articles of clothing... I'm sitting here talking about sexual immorality and purity. I'm talking about articles of clothing being taken off. I'm like, this is so many things. What, what is he asking you to take off? Listen, take it off, give it to him, and then ask him for your shirt. What's he asking you to put on? What's he asking you to come to the table wearing? 
I'm going to read you really quickly the things. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Everyone say compassion. Compassion. With kindness. Everyone say kindness. Kindness. With humility. Everyone say humility. Humility. With gentleness. Gentleness. With patience. Patience. What's he asking you to put on? (laughs) So good. And if you can, according to this, peace comes to the body. That's a good thing. So Jesus, yes, we want every part of you. And I love that verse 1 talks about it's not found outside of Jesus. So draw us back to you, God, all 10,000 of our denominations. Draw us back to you. Let us focus on the blood being the loudest voice in the room, screaming from your table, pull up a chair. Let us receive that, God, and then let us give it. I just have this image. I'm just going to pray this. I just have this image of the blood coming into us and out of us. The blood going into our veins. So our previous blood from our former nature, it's replaced. There's a transfusion and there's this new blood, the blood of Jesus living in us. And that blood was shed. And that blood is where the power is. And that blood gives you the ability to be humble and selfless and gentle and patient and long-suffering, and full of peace and joy. Just picture the blood coming from the cross, from Jesus, into your body. And your DNA is shifted. Your DNA has changed. You're now part of the family of God. It's not just an assembly. I don't even like that word, just assembly. It's, not, it's a family. Church is a family. It's not a gathering. It's, you're part of the family. So let's be a family Let's recognize that some of us are idiots and some of us are annoying and some of us need some space and some of us need to be heard and some of us do this differently. But man, you do that over there, I'll do this over here. We're going to love each other in the middle. Let's not build another denomination from it. Let's move from the nation of Denam back to the nation of Jesus' blood. I'm sorry, I had to do that. So today, God, we want to be unified Not just in this room, but as we see our brothers and sisters at Starbucks, at our workplaces, at the community center, at the gym, at the P.O. box, at the school. That when we look at brother and sister and we hear that they're from this church, man, they do things way differently. That we say, we can look at them and say, welcome to my table. Let us be that, God. Let us be this new generation of people who are bringing the body of Christ through unity. Welcoming people who don't have a place to a place. People who feel estranged and orphaned into a family. We are the family of God. I thank you for that. Could Becca, you guys come up, whoever's doing, you guys already have a song selected? Is there one that we could all sing together? I'm I'm sorry. Is one of yours one that we could all sing together? Nice. Was that you? Did you just throw your voice? Whoa. Oh. (laughs) The Lord is here. He is speaking through. So here's what we're going to do. Just like they used to in old school churches before there was the nation of Denom, they would gather together and they would sing a song together. So I'm going to ask you to actually stand to your feet. Listen, I'm not recording this. I'm not going to brag about it. I would ask you to sing it with your heart, though, together. If you want to hold. Yeah, and as soon as we're done singing this, we're going to pray for someone. Thank you. If you want to hold the hand of someone next to you, 
It's going to be weird, but we're going to, we're going to be okay. Father, I pray that you would unite us as we sing together. Help us to be six-year-olds right now, singing to you, Jesus, as family. This is a table. Help us to sing to you. I do pray in Jesus' name that we would fight for unity as we grow, that we would fight for unity as we grow today, Father. We thank you, Lord. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.